0: Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sobottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 294 of Nancy Norbeck. How are you, Nancy? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Now, we've, you've got a lovely backdrop there, and obviously this is a <laughs> podcast, The Twelve Apostles, and you are in the States, but you've uh, obviously been to down the Great Ocean Road, which is amazing, and I know yeah. you're a big fan of travel and things like that, and um, it's I think it's one of the most gratifying experiences and learning opportunities you can do is travel. Um, Before we get into that, what's the biggest
1: win you've had in the last seven days? Oh, in the last seven days? um. Honestly, keeping myself from the brink of burnout.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's a nasty topic. That's a ooh.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I managed to pull myself back from it. So I'm very happy about that. And and honestly, I think one of the biggest things that helped was just having somebody to laugh with. So that's that's Nancy's quick and easy burnout cure that is not as, you know, it's a little too simple if you've got really, really serious burnout, I'm sure. But at least in the meantime, it, it keeps it from getting worse.
0: Well, well done for, uh, you know, noticing that. What what, uh, what were the triggers or what do you know? Um, because obviously everybody has got different triggers or they know certain things or they might neglect themselves in different ways. But what triggers to, to allow you to know that you were close to burnout?
1: trying to do too much for too long. And that telltale feeling of just, wow, I'm done, but now I feel like a zombie and everything feels like too much. You know, when, when you're sitting around thinking, is reading a book too much stimulation or will that be okay? Because I know that watching TV is too much right now. You know, (laughs) you have to do something to just, you know, get yourself off of that that overload and and just yeah you need to take a break but i think you also need to light your brain up in a way that works and i think you know a creative pursuit will do that for you too but having someone that you can just let loose and laugh with and let it all go through the magic of laughter i think is super helpful too
0: very very true and i, I think the the big thing is there uh uh, being kind to yourself and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, allow, allowing that space. Um, I I think we're our own worst enemies. Um, and it doesn't matter who you talk to, but, um, just allowing that time. And that's sometimes it's sounds very easy, but it's not, is it?
1: It's not. And especially, you know, on, on my side of the pond, we are very, very good at the work until you drop (laughs) kind of mentality. And I think a lot of us, I don't think of myself as that kind of person. I think a lot of us don't necessarily think of ourselves as that kind of person. But regardless of whether we do or not, it's so easy to get caught up in it and not realize that we've crossed the line until we're having that moment of, you know, I don't feel so good right now. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but something needs to change before things get to a point where I can't handle this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and I, Sorry, I cut Uh, you off there. Keep uh, going.
1: No, it's okay. No, I just think that being willing and able to recognize that is the really important thing.
0: Yeah. And I I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that why I wanted to talk to you today, Nancy, is obviously you are a creative coach and being creative and curious and it's something that is so needed um, to have that passion, to have those things, because- Every job, every part of life, we have to do things that, you know, we have to do. We have to tick them off and they're not always enjoyable. But if you've got something that is lighting you up inside, you know, where you're being creative and getting those juices flowing, it allows every aspect of your life to be okay because you've got that one thing that is just amazing. Um, So for people out there, how can we get more creative or where do we start? Because, I, for people that have been in flow, or you know when you're in it, but where do, where do you find that?
1: Oh well, it's it's an interesting question, and it depends on you know where you are to a certain extent. If you're somebody who has a regular creative process, then it's going to be easier for you to get into that flow. And I hate saying it that way because it makes the people who don't have a regular process feel like, oh man, I'm doomed, you know, it's going (laughs) to take me forever. And that's not necessarily true because the people who have that process can get derailed just as easily as anybody else. But one of the things that's super important is to recognize whether, you know, you know what you want to do creatively or not, because a lot of people get stuck because they don't know you know, and and if that's the case, let yourself play, let yourself go try stuff. Let yourself be a five-year-old kid again. You know, if that means getting out crayons and finger paints, or going out in the backyard and digging in the dirt, or making stuff, you know, painting pet rocks, whatever, whatever you used to do as a kid, whatever you love to do is a great starting point. And don't let it, don't let you tell yourself that, that's just being silly or stupid or childish. That's kind of the point. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and that's okay. But you know, whatever you end up doing, whether it's an existing thing or something new, one of the most important things is to do it in really small steps so that if you're intimidated by it at all, it's a great way of getting past the intimidation. It's It kind of lulls that watchdog in the back of your head to sleep so that it's not saying, oh my God, what are you doing? Oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. And what's everybody gonna think? You can't possibly do that. And gets past all of those voices that you know society or your family or whoever programmed you with as a kid that keeps you from doing your creative stuff a great way to get past all of that and kind of be like, ha, 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 you're asleep now and I'm on the other side and I'm doing <laughs> this thing. And the great thing, once you figure out what you want to do, or even when you're just playing and you haven't figured it out, but you're having fun, is that doing anything creative actually gives you more energy. When you're having that kind of fun, it fills you up. It doesn't drain you. And I I have talked to so many people on my podcast who have demonstrated that, you know, the guy who has the full-time job and is also starting an illustration career and literally is like from 9 p.m. when his kids go to bed till one or two o'clock in the morning in his studio doing stuff and you're thinking, how do you survive without sleep? Well, he's energizing himself all the time. I don't know how long he'll be able to sustain that, (laughs) but for now. now it's working for him, you know? So, so he's got the energy to keep going because he's so excited about what he's doing. And so I think, you know, we, we tend to think that, oh, I can't do that. I'll, I'll never get enough sleep. I'll fall asleep at work, you know, and whatever. It doesn't necessarily work the way that we think that it will. And so it's worth trying and seeing because that light when we talk about the thing that lights you up, that light is your energy level. You know, it's all it's all connected. So that is one great way to get going or get yourself going again. If you're stuck, even if say you're a painter and you're stuck on your painting, go out and, you know, play little tunes on your piano, you know, get out your camera and do some photography instead. Take a dance class, do something different, any of that. Still gets gets you going in a different way. Gets your synapses connecting in different ways, and it all it all comes out because you're still using the same parts of your brain just differently.
0: Mm, And it really comes back to active play, really, and everything you've just mentioned. And I think one of the biggest things is we don't we we think it's childish, and life should be serious. We don't have time for that, but. It's the other way around, isn't it? That we need to Absolutely. make time, and I talk about this all the time when I'm talking, Nancy. That we need to have play breaks. You need to have those with yourself, but you also need to have those with other people because that is how we form our strongest social circles. How we have creativity, all so many amazing things. But why we know this, but why isn't it? Why isn't it encouraged? Why aren't people doing it?
1: I think that you know, there's all sorts of cultural stuff that tells us. We have to be serious. We have to make money. You know, that's the most important thing. We have to produce things that other people will buy. You know, what we're told to value as a culture is not necessarily the stuff that's really important to the human soul and spirit. And, you know, especially again, you know, in the U.S., we've got this bedrock Puritan philosophy that was all about that. It was like the more stuff you have, the more God is smiling on you. And the Puritans may be long dead, but that stuff is still alive and well over here. And and I think we have unfortunately exported some of that to the rest of the world, though I don't. I, I think most of the rest of you have been lucky enough not to get as much of it as we have. But you know, we're told that like the corner office and the big 401k and the fancy car are the important thing when really the important thing is doing the things you love in this life and and it's just a matter of letting ourselves believe that and mm. i think that can be really hard when the messages that we hear all the time are no 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 you need that promotion and you need the title well, what's the title if it's making you miserable
0: mm. and and if the titles you know that's not living that's working and yeah, like and i think there's a I, I feel there's been a big shift with this, Nancy, particularly, you know, COVID, as negative as it was and the issues it caused, it's also been really positive in so many ways because I think people have realised now that that's not important in life. It didn't matter how much money you had in the bank or the items you own. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't use it. You couldn't share them with people. Um, I think we realise now that, that that artificial and it, it, items, materialistic things, they're not the things that make you happy. That's That's not happiness, is it?
1: Yeah, I I think that, that we saw a lot of that, and I think that it's been really interesting to watch the tension as we've kind of gone back to normal, whatever normal actually is now, because some of the things that we had, you know, during COVID, when we had more flexibility, when we didn't have to go into an office space, that kind of thing, some of us want to hang on to that more. Some of us don't want to be shoehorned back into the whole, I'm the the lemming driving into work every morning. It reminds me of the police song synchronicity, you know, packed like lemmings <laughs> into shiny metal boxes um, and, and have to do it that way anymore. And there's this tension between the people who are the bosses saying, no, no, we must do everything the way we did before and everybody else going, yeah, about that. Um, how about no? And, and I don't know where we're gonna end up, but I hope that we'll end up in a place where we're a little bit freer with ourselves maybe hopefully more than a little bit and, you know, give ourselves the permission to do more of the things that we really, really love, because I think those things also give us permission to connect with each other more, to, you know, really have that whole full life that isn't just about numbers and windows and corner offices and Mm. status symbols.
0: Yeah, so true. And and I, I've seen it and I know there's been a big shift and I really hope it continues because, you know, that's living. It's not about what you do, your, your items or your status or your job title on LinkedIn. Um, that when you, when it's all said and done, you're not going to uh, be remembered for that. You're going to be remembered for the impact you have on other people and how you treat people and things like that. So um, I absolutely love that. Now, one of the things I want to talk about here, Nancy, is perfectionism. You know, that (laughs) when we're talking about, and I see this quite a lot, when we're talking about being creative and putting yourself out there, maybe doing something different, that fear of failure, um, judgment, but also the, the, the the pressure we put on ourselves to make things perfect how do we get over that hurdle because it's a real thing
1: perfectionism is so incredibly insidious and i think i think it actually really connects up with what we were just talking about right because it's the people who are more perfect or or are seen to be a little bit more perfect who get the title in the car in the corner office right um and I, I mean, I have seen people who do absolutely stunning work, show it to other people who say, oh my God, that is absolutely gorgeous. And then stand there. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's seen this. I'm sure there are people who are listening who know exactly what I'm going to say and say, yeah, but the lighting isn't quite right. And the, <laughs> you know, this, this, I could have done this better and I could, and I'm like, I'm standing here telling you this is absolutely gorgeous. I cannot see what you're saying is wrong with this. And you're just picking it to pieces. And there's merit to understanding what you could do better. But there's also, you know, self compassion. And there's understanding that we are all human beings. And none of us is ever going to be perfect. You know, I, I, I'm I, a writer and I tell other writers, you know, and, and if you write seriously long enough, you will eventually, you will do one of two things. You will either drive yourself crazy trying to make things perfect, or you will eventually figure out that there comes a point where you have to just let it go and call it done and know that you're going to come back to it in a month, a year, whatever, and say, boy, I should have phrased this differently, you know. And that's just the nature of the beast and it's just how it is because you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy and you just have to, you know, start by saying to yourself, can I, can I be, you know, 5% less perfect with this? Can I be okay with that? If 5% is too much, maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 1% and then try to, you know, up that number a little bit. Over time, and you probably don't want to eventually end up at fifty percent, you know. But you want to get to a number you can live with, because your work is never going to be perfect, you know. I, I it's essentially, you know, a piece of writing is never finished because it's never going to be perfect, and you just decide, you know, you you know, I think when you reach a point where you've done everything you can do with a creative work, and it's time to go on to something else, mm-hmm. and and if you if you get to that point where you can say yeah you know how can i be five percent you know okay with being five percent less perfect with this and and actually asking yourself a question like that a couple times a day how can i be okay with being less perfect how can i be okay with with a little bit of imperfection when you ask yourself a question like that and you don't answer it and you just let it percolate in your subconscious You'll get answers and you may not even get conscious answers. Your brain may just start adjusting all on its own, which is a really cool thing about how brains work, but you know, it will make your life so much better because if you're that perfectionistic, you probably aren't sleeping well. Your doctor's probably saying, you know, your blood pressure could be a little better. You know, you've probably got all sorts of other anxiety stuff going on and it all, it all connects. Mm. It all—it's all that—that all that same watchdog in your head, you know. It's just little ways of just sneaking past the watchdog and going, "Yeah, I'm just gonna be this tiny little bit less perfect," mm. until you get to where you can handle it. I and I it love is that. hard for people.
0: Yeah, you know I'll, for sure.
1: Acknowledge for sure. that it's not easy because we're preached at all the time that we should be perfect, and that's just not fair or realistic.
0: It's definitely not. And it's it's very similar, like you're saying, you know, take small creative breaks. It's like doing a New Year's resolution. Take day by day. Don't do the whole year. Um, essentially, it's exactly the same with our self-talk, the way we talk to ourselves, because mm-hmm. people are horrible to themselves, Nancy. What they say to themselves, they never say to anybody else. And it's exactly right. the same with perfectionism, that you need to be kind to yourself. It's very easy to be kind to others People need to stop what they're doing now if you're driving, pull over or whatever it is. But take a look in the mirror and it's really, you need to be the nicest person to yourself. And that comes down to perfectionism, fear of failure, anything you're doing, doesn't it?
1: It does. And I guarantee that, you know, that friend with the photo that I was talking about a minute ago would not talk to someone else the way that she was saying, but, you know, the lighting could be better and this was all wrong. And would never, ever talk to somebody else that way you know we all we are all way worse to ourselves than we are to anyone else and so you know if you're not sure if you're being too hard on yourself that's really the litmus test would i say this to my best friend Mm. or even better would i say this to an eight-year-old kid because if you wouldn't you're being way too hard on yourself
0: Mm. and that uh, that is so true and i think if you take anything away from this it doesn't matter Like you said before, everything's connected, Nancy. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you want to be more creative, if you want to try new things, if you want to feel happier, if you want to reduce anxiety, it comes down to exactly what you said, being nice to the person you see in the mirror. Like there's there's
1: nothing else. That's it, isn't it? It is. And you know, I think that a lot of us somewhere along the line got the idea that the way to make ourselves better was to be mean to ourselves. Really
0: okay. Go. Yeah. So, so for listeners, sorry. Uh, Zoom <laughs> decided to do something really funny. So Nancy's going to try and remember where she was up to. I'll back up to you, Nancy. <laughs> sorry about that.
1: Okay. So, so yeah, I think a lot of us, and and this must be a cultural thing because I think so many of us get this, um, that you know we we get this idea that in order to make ourselves better, we have to be mean to ourselves. And it, it kind of blows my mind that we buy this because if we, if we look at anybody else, you know, I think all of us have known somebody, right? Like the kid in school whose dad or mom yelled at them all the time. And we saw what it did to that kid or, you know, the neighbor whose spouse or somebody yelled at them, you know, or even the dog who was treated badly. We know this doesn't go well. We know it doesn't work. And yet, for some reason, we all seem to believe that we are the exception to this rule. And that if we treat ourselves horribly, somehow that will convince us and teach us to be better people. And it never, ever works. The only thing that works, I mean, I taught for eight years. And, you know, I, I mean, if I yelled at a kid, and I tried really hard not to yell at kids because I don't believe in it. And, and, you know, it's Unless interesting because I was, that. I was a bully. Well, sometimes it's very hard not to, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I was a bullied kid at school and I never put up with anything like that in my classroom because I was like, uh, uh-uh, you're not doing that here. You know? And it was the same kind of thing. It's like, if I'm not going to allow other kids to do it, I can't do it, you know? But, when you take your time and you listen to somebody and you hear what's going on and you treat them like a person who's got issues and emotions and all sorts of crazy stuff going on in their heads because we all tell ourselves crazy stuff that doesn't work and you know isn't true and then work with that you can get somewhere but if you just sit there and say what's wrong with you why didn't you do your homework you'd never get anything right and you know all that is never going to make that kid better. It's just going to convince them that they're worthless and it's no different when we do it to ourselves. And I'm really glad, you know, like in the last 10 years or so, self-compassion has become a thing. There's a great book, By Kristen Neff all about it and she makes a great argument because people are convinced by the same token that if they're nice to themselves that they'll just become lazy and never get anything done and whatever and she makes a great argument for why that's actually the opposite of the truth and I'm hoping that eventually enough people get on board that we can shift the culture that way because it being mean to yourself doesn't work if it did you would be so much better than you know in a better place than you are right now right so you are your own living proof that it doesn't work
0: i think uh schools and education and the way we talk about this now and like it, it's we're made aware of it um so i think the the younger generations coming up nancy where. They're fine. It's uh it's us. Do you know what I mean? Like that we were told completely different things, which is nobody's fault because we didn't know these things at the time. But um, that's as you said, things have changed. But, you know, for the ones we didn't get educated, this it wasn't things about mental health. It wasn't, you know, ways to be empathetic to other people or be self-compassion and love to yourself. Like all these different things, they were non-existent. Um, it's so true. we really do need to work on
1: them. We do. And the younger generations definitely give me hope because they are so much better and they see through a lot of the things that the older generations don't. And I just look at them and go, you are amazing. I can't (laughs) wait for you to take over the world.
0: (laughs) So true. So true.
1: So Nancy, people
0: want to, one of the things I find when you listen to somebody and you can get a really good connection with them, people want to find more. And I know You've got an amazing podcast, Follow Your Curiosity, um, but you've also got other things out there and not charging people, which I absolutely love as well. So where can people find, I know you've got like an email list, you've got a course and different things like this. Do you want to explain those a little bit? Because I think we're, we've sort of painted the picture around things that people can do to be kinder to themselves, to, you know, get maybe unstuck, get rid of perfectionism, that fear of failure. There so many little things we've started on today. Um, where can they get more?
1: Okay, so there's a bunch of different ways to get more. And most of them won't cost you anything. So the, um, the first one, the easy, easiest one probably is the podcast. And it's a combination. Every other week, there's an interview with someone who is in some sort of creative pursuit. And we talk about how they got their start from when they were a kid, whether they were encouraged or not, because I love to hear the stories of people who either were encouraged, because usually the people who encouraged them were awesome, or who overcame not being encouraged and then whatever they're doing now. And there's a lot to glean from those stories. Like the one I mentioned earlier, Um, the artist I was talking about is David Spencer. He's a a great, great interview um, among many. And then on the off weeks, it's a creative pep talk, usually somewhere between five and 10 minutes. And there are specific episodes about things like perfectionism, needing permission, um, small steps, which I've kind of talked about a little bit and small questions are in there too all sorts of different things. I'm up to, let's see, this past week's was number 56. So there's a lot in there that you can take and use because it's, it's all actionable, easy stuff that you can, you know, apply in your own life. And then if you want more, there is a series called the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up and it's basically myth busting six things that creative people tend to tell themselves that aren't true, why they're not true, um, questions that you can look at some journaling prompts, things like that. And then that will also get you on my mailing list. So you'll know what's going on with the podcast and other things that I have going on. So if I drop a new course or things like that, and then there is a creative tune up kit that is 37 bucks. So it's super cheap to get your hands on, and it is a toolkit that is all of my favorite creativity tools. And it will help get you unstuck, whether you are unstuck because, or whether you're stuck because you're not sure how to get started, you don't know what you wanna do, or whether you have a long-standing creative process and you suddenly are like, I don't know why I can't seem to get myself to do anything anymore anywhere in between so lots of tools it's all evergreen you can use it over and over and over again and it's 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 a great toolkit it's full of awesome stuff and it's it's fun and it's easy I mean you could theoretically go through it in just a couple hours if you want to you can also sit down with it and take your time and and really enjoy the steps and think about them and and you know it's totally up to you you can do it whatever way you want
0: well I love that Nancy I think that's (laughs) It's great when people can go through things at their own pace. And not only that, um, doing podcasts and connecting with like-minded people, you, you find people that you gravitate to, you like their messaging and things like that. And I can guarantee people are loving the energy. And not only that, what you've been able to deliver today of, I know thoroughly in the two-part interview because Zoom absolutely had a <laughs> meltdown. Um, that I really enjoyed it. So for listeners out there, it's episode number 294. If you go on there, there'll be links to the podcast, the, um, website, the course and everything like that. And just go on there and reach out to Nancy and thank you for her time today. Um, like it's been a brilliant episode, man. Uh, Nancy, I've absolutely loved it. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me.